0: Hey guys, this is the C3 Church Malmo podcast. I am believing God will speak to you today and that a greater level of faith will be unlocked in your life. For more information about C3 Church, go to c3malmo.se. God bless. This is the final part. This is it. There will be no more after this. We are done with the mission or life. It's a little bit sad. It's like the return of the king. It was like, oh no, no more. The saga is finished. Um, So I'm going to just, I was going to do a quick recap, and I'll have to be super quick recap of what we've done in the series. Like, I I should have tested you if anyone remembers the 10 themes. Now they're on part 10. See if anyone remembers. Of course you do. I don't need to ask you, right? (laughs) So, but just to go back to the beginning, I think it was when we started, September, October, Um, we, we said that mission starts with God because it's his love that compels us To live on mission, right? And then we talked about that gap, right, between the desire to do mission and our reality, which sometimes is a bit disappointing, right? And we talked about that that gap between the two can be, you could call it our missional angst, that, you know, this kind of feeling of guilt and like, oh man, I should be better at this, right? You know, and so our kind of goal for this series, what I hope you all got out of it, is that as a disciple of Jesus, that you be encouraged, equipped, and inspired during this time so that you would live and you would be an intentional participant in his redemptive mission. So our vision as a church is to raise up mature missional disciples. You've heard us talk about that a lot. And that's because we believe that the quality of the church is not measured by attendance, how good your program is, how good the production is, even if it is good. It's measured by the quality of your disciples. That's a good church. A good church has good disciples. So we're not looking for affiliates. We're not looking for donors. We're not looking for volunteers, even though we need all of those things. But when we ask you to connect or give or serve, it's about being a family of disciples. That's who we are. So the first week we looked at God, that his love compels us to mission. Then we looked at message, that our lives are lived out of his story. And then we looked at identity. Anyone remember that one? And and as disciples, we are ambassadors of his hope. Then we looked at conversations. We were asking ourselves the question, well, what's my story? Where do I fit into God's big story? And then we talked about justice, that we are to act justly as a response to his grace. Then we looked at work and we asked, is this an opportunity to live out our calling? Are we being intentional in that? We looked at hospitality, that we need to practice the radical hospitality of Jesus. And then we talked about pace, that we need to live with a sacred pace in step with the Holy Spirit. And then last week we heard from Pastor Matthew talking about ambition that we need to have a holy ambition to see God's kingdom come. And now we come to the final part. And today we're talking about design. Creating a life of kingdom mission on purpose. You see, the missional life is in resistance to the drift towards passivity and comfort. You will not happen upon a missional life. It doesn't just happen naturally. That You just naturally became a missionary. That's not how it works. You must partner with God to design your life with a vision, with creativity, and with intentionality. It is not living by default. Here's the truth. If you want to be influential in the kingdom of God, if you want to be a leader, you have to be proactive. You cannot be passive in that desire. It requires holy ambition mature missional disciples, they take time to design their lives. You know, at the marriage seminar last week, that that was an example of a group of married couples taking that time. They were being intentional. They wanted to maybe redesign aspects of their marriage because we will not happen upon a happy marriage. It doesn't just happen automatically. Man and woman fall in love and everything's happily ever after. It doesn't work that way, unfortunately. No, I discovered that. (laughs) (laughs) You need a plan or you drift to your selfish defaults. You see, because as a husband and wife, you have your own defaults and often they're not on the same page. So there has to be some compromise. There has to be some sacrifice. There has to be some intentionality on each other's behalf to think about how you can make this work, right? See, because our natural defaults, they're, they're like things like conformity or living in comfort or being cautious. And that can breed an apathy when it comes to the radical teachings of Jesus. Because his life, if you look at the life of Jesus, it was countercultural, it was sacrificial, it was risky. Jesus was God, I'll give you that, but he was also human. Yet he lived not by defaults, but with a holy ambition and a holy discontent. Now, without that holy ambition, without holy discontent, with the status quo that you live with, we become indistinguishable from the world around us, sadly. I was looking up some statistics on this. A 2018 survey of religion in Sweden said that 43%, the the largest group in Sweden, identified as non-practicing Christians. That might be a surprise to you. But if you look at young adults, that's 16 to 29-year-olds, 75% identify as not religious at all. They don't want anything to do with it. The warning here, what we can learn from history of what we're seeing happening here is that a nominal faith, a faith that is just in name, is a dying faith. It will not be passed on to the next generation. Now, I'm sure that it breaks God's heart that people just live this passive, non-practicing Christianity. But I'm pretty sure that he's not interested in that being passed on. He's interested in real relationship. And I believe this is the opportunity that we're seeing with this young generation in Sweden for them to really know Jesus as their personal savior. Not some affiliation, not some membership to a church, but to actually know who Jesus is. We must make the shift, church, from living by default to living by design. And scripture exhorts us to take care. We can read in Hebrews 2.1, for example, we must pay more careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. In other words, Paul is saying live by design and not by default. Without changing the setup of your phone, for example, if you don't change the setup on your phone, it won't work the way you desire, right? You have to change some things. You have to add some things. You have to set it up the way you want it to work. And life is just the same. It can need resetting at times. It's easy to drift, right, when we don't pay careful attention, as Paul says there. And Scripture speaks to this. In 1 Timothy 4, 15 to 16, it says, be diligent in these matters. Give yourself Holy to them, so that everyone may see your progress, watch your life, and doctrine closely. Persevere in them, because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers, the next generation. Holy Spirit is a new operating system to us. And I I just, it's so cool when I meet new Christians, and I just see the radical change that has happened to them when the Holy Spirit is just coming to the scene in their life, right? Right? But, you know, we we also need to keep an eye on when things get buggy, when things get slow. Do we need an upgrade? You know, when my phone is getting a little bit slow, I check to see, hey, do I need to do an upgrade? And sometimes we need to do the same thing as an audit of our own life. Are, are we getting stagnant in certain areas of our life? Maybe your devotional life, maybe the romance in your marriage, maybe uh your your hospitality or your generosity, these things are not free. We have to have a specific design, a new design for the hardware of our life, for, the, for what makes up our life, right? Because they, the, the thing about all of these things that we desire, whether it's more romance in our marriage or to be more hospitable, to be more generous, to, to be more available to God, these things, they do not come by default. They require in-life purchases. See what I did there? <laughs> Life will cause you to drift to the default. Paul said this to the church in Esophis, Titus 2, to 13, for the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Temptation comes, to de- uh, temptation comes as a default to the patterns of this world. we got to recognize it and say, no, thank you. This doesn't fit the design I have for my life. Now, to live into these scriptures is to be diligent, to abstain, to actively push back against sinful desires. And this happens not by our works or efforts, but by receiving the grace of God and channeling it into good works that he has prepared for us. So it's about church, it's about living by design. That's the mission of life. It is a life by design. So how do we design our lives? I love what John Tyson says. He said, bored people have entertainment. Consumers have preferences. Religious people have rules. Busy people have lists. Missional people have a story. We design our lives by taking all the raw material and the building blocks of our lives, your time, your resources, your relationships, etc and organizing them in a direction to bring everything in our lives in alignment with an overarching vision or story. And we've learned what that story is, right? So it requires a goal. It requires, if you like, to borrow from the design world, a design principle. A design principle, it guides to help make important decisions. When you need to decide which way to go, you go back to that principle. As we design a mission or life, we're called to have the kingdom of God as our primary goal as the overarching narrative of our lives and as the worldview that shapes our lives. We have a story as followers of Jesus, and this is the principle that we design our lives around. Now, one of the keys to this life by design is using our resources intentionally. Resources like money, our time, our energy, and even gifts, mental and emotional space, are all things God calls us to steward wisely? No plan leads to the default. But when, but, and they, they're often not the best, right? If you don't have a plan, you're just gonna drift towards the default. My, my default, if I'm just gonna be honest here, my default when I, when I see a little gap, you know, like I, I have a little bit of time is I'll, I'll look at the sports news. I'll, I'll hit up the sports, I'm gonna find out what's going on with my sports teams. I might send a message to Joe, we'll chat about it. And, and my, my default is not to think about, okay, now's the t- perfect time to fix the bathroom cabinet that my wife has been asking me to fix for six months. That's not my default. Now, if I'm gonna fix that bathroom cabinet, good reminder, actually, I need to still fix it. <laughs> I need to make a plan, right? because it's not gonna happen naturally because I don't enjoy fixing cabinets. I'm not good at it, right? That's just an example of something you know is important, but you're not gonna do it by default. You need to make a plan. You need to design your life around those goals, right? You need to make a plan. So there are three big elements you can use to begin to be intentional with your own mission or life. Where you live, where you work, and who you spend your time with. I'm going to whiz through these. So where you live. Well, love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus placed a massive emphasis on loving those around you, your neighbors. And this is something we really need to think about because I think a lot of time we make decisions on where we live, maybe not thinking, hey, where's the best mission field? God, send me. God, you pick the neighborhood. I don't mind. You know, we, We do look at things like, Hey, is it a safe neighborhood? Is it nice? Parks there? Um, do the neighbors seem nice? We, we do make a lot of decisions based on convenience and comfort. But missional design will move us to make our decisions based on presence and contribution. So we don't often think about, hey, I, I want to be a presence in my neighborhood. I want to contribute to my neighborhood. I want to be a blessing to my neighborhood but when we design our life in that way, these are the things that we think about. Do we look at our neighborhood as maybe like a status symbol or a convenient location? Or do you view it as a place in which God is moving and where you can be effective in God's mission? Do you view your home as a means of increasing your quality of life? I do, of course. Or as a resource to steward for hospitality and mission? that's a good one. On a very practical level, level, getting to know your neighbors' names is a very tangible first step. Lynn is so much better than me at this, i got to admit. This is an area where I'm challenged, just getting out there, getting to know your neighbors. This is a practical thing we can do to be available for mission. And it's also about creating margin. Now, this is something that Lynn and I reflected on recently, my wife here. Uh, We realized that we had no margin for others that we were just so busy that we actually didn't have time to hang out with our neighbors. We didn't have time to invite people over to our home because we've just packed our schedule. And so we just stopped and said, we need to plan this. This is not gonna happen by default, especially not in our country. We, We don't really do spontaneous hangouts in Sweden as much. You have to plan it, right? You have to invite someone over. And so we've done that. And so you just gotta be intentional in being a presence and being a blessing in the place where you live, and then of course we've looked at where you work. Kala did an amazing message; you can go and listen to it on the podcast if you didn't catch it about why you do what you do and how do you show up when you do it. Like, what kind of a witness are you? Are are you are you living living by design? Means you press into your calling and are intentional about your approach to work. This is something I need to constantly challenge myself in because I just get stuck on my own things and my own goals and how someone else is making me feel. And I I forget that I'm actually there to be an ambassador. I'm actually there to be a blessing. I'm actually there for others first, right? And so how do you work? What is your posture? What is your attitude with which you approach your work? It matters greatly to God. And lastly, who you spend your time with? Who makes up your community? What is the organizing principle of your friendship, I think that's a really important thing to reflect on. Jesus invites us to build community with people around a shared mission. Now, my as I said, I'm friends with a lot of you in this church, and we have like go-to things that we'll talk about. Like me and Joe will talk about sports, and then I might talk to uh, Sam about like hip hop and music, and then uh, I might talk to my South African brethren here about the rugby. Like, these are things that are comfortable. They come easy to me. But sometimes we need to remind ourselves that, hey, we're actually brothers and sisters in Christ. Like, how can we bless each other? Let's not just go to the comfortable, easier. Let's look for, the, let's, let's be intentional about, as we said, asking the right questions. You know, how can we be a blessing to each other? Ask him, how, how's it going in, at home? How's it going at work? How, you know, is there anything I can pray for? this stuff doesn't always come naturally to us. And that's what I love about EHS and EHR, is It's a course that's designed around asking really important questions. And you're sitting around a table with, like in my case, a bunch of guys, and you're talking about stuff that really, really matters. Now, I mean, Cl- Cleveland Brown's winning the Super Bowl. Wow. That matters, it does matter. It does matter, I'm not gonna lie. But, you know, the things that really play on the heartstrings of things. I mean, we just had so many beautiful moments just talking about, about life, what he's doing and what, what God is doing in our lives and, and just inviting him into those areas and just being vulnerable with each other. It's such a beautiful thing. And it makes you think, hey, why don't I do this more often? Why, why do I need a course to do this, right? Um, and so we just need to take time to discern what is, what is God doing and ask the intentional questions to organize our lives around mission and kingdom impact. You know, sometimes we can feel, I'm going to wrap this up soon, um, that our prayer life becomes stagnant, right? We're praying the right prayers, but nothing's really happening. And sometimes the problem is not actually our prayers, it's our position, right? That we're praying in our prayer closet, but we're not actually getting out there. We're not actually making ourselves available to our neighbors in or being available in our workplace, or in, in the relationships that we have. And so we're not really tapping into those opportunities to see God answer our prayers through our, our going, right? And so I've got a little graphic up here um, that I'll show you. It's talking about something called the redemptive edge. And you see over on this side, you have where we're comfortable with, right? You've got your comfort, you've got conformity, you've got caution. And this is also... To use the parable of the 99 sheep. That's where the 99 sheep was. And a lot of us would be, hey, you got 99 sheep, man. You're doing well. Just take it easy, man. Look after the 99. You got a good church there. But that's not how Jesus fought, right? Jesus wasn't interested in the default, he was looking for the redemptive edge. Hey, where do I need to go? Where am I needed? You see, Jesus lived by a different design principle. Jesus had a lot of design principles. One of them was this, Luke 19.10. It says, for the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. See, so he knew, hey, I've come to seek and save the lost. Therefore, I'm not supposed to be on the default side. I'm supposed to be looking for the lost sheep. And that's the kind of attitude that we need to have. We need to have this countercultural, sacrificial, risky edge to us. And we can get so easily stagnant and comfortable in how we do church. You know, even as a pastor in a church, I can so easily not be doing mission. You know, I like, it's, it's comfortable. Hey, everyone here is a Christian. I'm not out there. I'm not, I'm not even, even for you guys that are in church, sometimes I can do a disjustice to God, but not asking the questions that really matter. Not, not, not talking about... The things, the, the areas of our life where Jesus really needs to come. And I was reflecting on that from the marriage seminar. You know, sometimes I didn't want to go to the marriage seminar. I went because my pastors told me I had to go. But I wasn't looking forward to it. And I, don't, I, I think I probably wasn't anyone because I knew there's going to be some difficult discussions. Because the marriage seminar is not talking about, so what are we doing great? <laughs> it's not about giving each other a pat on the back. It, it's talking about. The areas in our lives where we have unmet expectations or desires, and that's an uncomfortable conversation, right? When we go to that place, but that is where Jesus is. Jesus is looking, hey, where does my light need to shine? Where is there darkness? It can be in our own heart. He wants to get deep down, right? He wants to be below the, the, the water level, as we saw in that iceberg illustration for EHS, he wants to go deep down and he wants to make change in the areas of our lives where change is needed. He, he's the, he, Jesus, is, he came to seek and save the lost. What is lost in our lives? What is lost in our hearts? What is lost in our relationships? What is lost out there in the world? That's what he came for, right? And so we need to be following Jesus to the place where light confronts darkness with great love. Mission is about going where we are needed. That's why it typically involves a going. It's leaving your comfort and finding the redemptive edge. This is something we're probably going to talk about more. We want to be a church that is living on the redemptive edge, right? We want to be pioneers. We don't want to be happy with what we have. We, we want you guys to mature. I need to mature. I need to grow. But we also need to be expanding. We need to be going out there and meeting those with the needs, those that are lost Just hearing Daniela pray pray this morning, praying for the people of Malmo. Let us never forget the people out there that are living in hell. They're living in the darkness. I want to make sure that we're a church that's living on the redemptive edge, that is available, that isn't just uh, like creating a space on a Sunday morning and then being invisible for the rest of the week, but is actually visible out there in the community throughout the week. That we're a contact point between heaven and earth. You know, our mission statement is that we wanna see he- as it is in heaven in Malmo. And, and, and so we, we wanna find out hey, where does heaven need to come? Where are people living in hell? Where are people struggling? Where does Jesus need to come? That's the redemptive edge. That's what I want to challenge all of us. I've been convicted during this series. I'm sure many of you have as well. That Jesus needs to come in our lives. Jesus needs to come in this city. We need more of Jesus in our nation. We need more of Jesus in our lives. I want to invite the band up as I bring this to a wrap. But... No, it's his love, ultimately, that compels us and empowers us to a missional life. And I'm not stupid here. I know some of you probably aren't super excited about the idea of missional life. Maybe you're just looking for, right now, a happy life. Maybe you're just looking for a peaceful life. And there could be good reasons for that. Maybe you've been through a lot of trauma. Maybe you've been through a lot of struggles recently. So you might not feel, hey, yeah, I'm ready to go. But it all starts with Jesus. And so, like... A lot of the time, our problem is, as I said, it's, 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 about, it's about being with him before doing for him. You know, when we spend time with Jesus, when we realize what he has done for us, how, how, the things that he set us free from, the things that he's blessed us with, it's, it's, the, it's the revelation of that love that actually compels us to be messengers for him, to go out into this city and make a difference. So I want to wrap this up and I want to invite you to your feet because I want to do, a, as we finish this series about or life, you know, we had an excellent uh, men's breakfast uh, about a month and a half ago, maybe. And we had a bunch of guys talk about what it's like to be a soldier. And they talk about the preparation, they talked about, you know, following the command and the chains of communication. And they talked about being sent out on a mission. And so, just as soldiers, they are commissioned or deployed. I want us to do a commissioning this morning as we finish this series. Because there is a challenge as we wrap up this course, this series, to actually live out what God has invited us into. He's invited us into his story to share our story with others. We need to get our lives away from that comfortable trap of just living in contentment and into the radical, risky mission of Jesus to find that redemptive edge, that place where the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of hell are fighting it out for supremacy where there's contention in the human heart, and in the world. The missional life, though, is not meant to be a heavy burden. It's actually the most exciting life you can live. See, God is already on mission. He's already there. He invites you this morning. He invites you to join him in the renewal of all things. You are called by the love of God to go forth into your home, your neighborhood, your city, your community, and you work as one who is called and equipped in partnership with the Holy Spirit. I'm just going to read from the Great Commission. Matthew 28, verse 18. It says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, church, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. We are called to be a people of love. Mission exists because that love demands it. Heaven cheers us on as we are sent like Jesus to the redemptive edge in our world, the place where light confronts darkness. I want to just pray for us all right now. If you just have a posture of openness to the Holy Spirit right now. Holy Spirit, would you show us this morning where you want us to go? And as we go, May you use us at this time of history to bring good news, to hold our hands against the wounds of the world, to make disciples, and to see your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, we open ourselves to you this morning. We pray that you fill us with the love of the Father. And Lord, in a world where self-care is often led to selfishness, let us instead, let us be compelled by your love. Cause us, Lord, to risk to go in your name. Now, whether our redemptive edge is at the end of our street, the edge of this nation, or just at the end of our hall, Lord, give us courage to go there. We pray that we would find you on the redemptive edge of our world and see you move in signs and wonders just as we saw Jesus do, just as we've heard, just as we've seen. Lord, we want more of it. May we live a life defined by radical controversy of loving discipleship. May we be light in the darkness.